Hi, it's Sean from Missouri. I don't know who this clown Sean from Kansas is, but I can assure you, both of us never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, everybody, welcome to the show, episode 367 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host once again, Jesse Dollamore. And seated across from me, that spunky gal, co-host Brittany Page. Spunky. Well, if, if, if lovely and talented is out the door. Oh, so we're still on that. I need to come up with new things. Still on that. Should, should, I, should I, do I have your permission to say lovely and talented? You had my permission last time when this was brought up, so... Things get stuck really in my craw. Really got to you. Really got to me. Yeah. What can I say? It's unfortunate. It is Christmas Eve. Yep. Merry Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas Eve. It is. He is the reason for the season, Brittany mm-hmm. Page. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, tomorrow or today for you, likely. Although some people will rush to listen to this, I, I assume. Or even the day after Christmas. You never know. Yes. That is right. Mm-hmm. Uh, nonetheless, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas, Happy New Year. Um, things are good. I, yeah. it's, it, I like this time of year because it, uh, Facebook does a good job of reminding me of posts of Christmas past. Uh-oh. Oh, no, it's always good. It's always good. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it, it reminds me of like when people ask me what, uh, what gift would be good for me. Mm. Apparently, I used to say a lot, books or booze. Yeah. Easy. Books or and or booze and mm. or to a lesser extent or that's important <laughs> booze that's very important and uh, people have come through we we uh, I like the booze gifts those are good yeah I don't know, maybe some people feel uncomfortable giving mm-hmm. away the booze on mm-hmm. uh, on the celebration of the Christ's birth yeah I don't know but I don't feel uncomfortable with that <laughs> <laughs> it is very good oh. <laughs> So there are a lot of pictures yeah. of me with booze and such. In your memories. In books. Yeah, yeah. Facebook. Yeah. You know, a lot of people have a problem with that um, the on this day thing. What do you mean? Well, like it brings well, I mean, up, I know what on this day is. Yeah, it's but like the bad memories. memories or whatever. They want to be like sheltered oh. or insulated from them. And I, I never get that. I Well. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I think everybody should be of the, of the mindset that your past is inextricably linked to who you are today and you might not be the person you are today hadn't it been for the for the past <laughs> even the bad shit yeah everyone should be super optimistic um but is that, that is that what you gather from that that i'm just optimist guy well you're like everyone should just understand that their past is uh, yeah what a, <laughs> wow. what a what a great world to live in um you mean the world well, life is more complicated, anyway. okay, and difficult things happen, and uh, more than anything, on this day is a reminder of how very stupid 
I used to be. <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm completely out of it, but I'm saying, whoa, right. some of the stuff I would post is not good. Not good. Right. Bad situation. Very funny. And I'm like, delete. <laughs> well, the other good thing about Christmas, Brittany Page, is that finally now, because Donald Trump on high is president of these United States, we're able mm. to say Merry Christmas again. Because mm-hmm. up until this point, <laughs> we were I was saying Happy Holidays all the time. Yeah, which I is would, an assault. I would demand holiday music be played anywhere I would go. Yeah, because it's an assault. Christmas was uh, out of the question. It's offensive. Yeah, illegal, yeah. maybe. Well, I... War on Christmas. Yeah, with the... Um, the kids that I teach, the essay topic this week was, um, is Christmas more of a religious or cultural holiday? Oh, yeah. Good question. And so they read some New York Times articles on the war on Christmas. And in order to ensure that they had all of the tools necessary to write the essay. W- what age kids are we talking? Uh, this is probably sixth grade and above. Okay. Fifth grade and above. Okay. And... In order to make sure that they could actually write this, you know, I like to start out, do you understand what what the war on Christmas is, you know? And I would say, do you know what the war on Christmas is? And they would look at me like, what are you talking Yeah, those those words don't go together. Yeah, what do you mean Did you say war, war on, on Christmas? <laughs> and I'm are like, yeah. The, the movie Die Hard? Well, yeah. what, what are you talking No, I'm like, about? you know, Donald Trump, he, he won the war on Christmas. And they start laughing. <laughs> They're like, you have to be joking, right? As well they should. Because they they have no idea. Yeah. And it's not as though, you know, these kids are coming from like liberal households. They in fact, many of them come from conservative households, and they still are unfamiliar with this whole war on Christmas thing. Um, so I think it's only an important issue to certain populations. White middle America Fox viewers. Well, I also love those clips where they're asking people like I I think it was uh, Jordan Klepper that I saw and he was interviewing people outside of a Trump rally. Yeah. And he was saying, oh, so you you couldn't say Merry Christmas before. And they respond, no, we could. It's just that some people would say like Happy Holidays more often. And he said, oh, and that was insulting to you. And they're like, no, it wasn't insulting. It's just that, you know, and (laughs) they they can't explain what it is that their position is. And why it's such a problem if why, it's not offensive. Why and... is it tagged a war yeah. on Christmas? Yeah. They really under they under underappreciate what war <laughs> actually is. Yeah. Well, <laughs> at least Donald Trump feels like he's won a war. He he won the shit out of it. His yeah. feet didn't need to be in tip top <laughs> shape for the war on Christmas. Yeah, he probably didn't even have to move. Just sore feet and all. Just the thumbs. Poured some diet coke all over him, and he was fucking good to go on his feet. Ready to rock. Oh, yeah, it was the healing properties of diet coke uh. on bone spurs. I hear. Mm. <laughs> mm. Or maybe he rubs like just a chicken bone, Kentucky Fried Chicken bone on well, there. Well, isn't that the the remedy that they tell you for bone spurs is to roll your foot on a That's what those dicks at the VA told me. <laughs> Get some frozen water bottles. Yeah, that's all you need. Frozen water bottles and roll your foot. Apparently there's no medicinal yeah. uh, way to, to deal with it. It's just get a frozen water bottle and roll your foot on well, it. Well, if that's the solution Dick to the holes. problem, it doesn't seem serious enough to keep someone out of war. <laughs> yes, that's right. 
just do a foot exercise every once in a while. And mine were hardcore. I th- I thought that I had torn my Achilles tendon when I went into the to the the VA. A lot to, of pain. To get looked at. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So mine were, and still it wouldn't have stopped me from being deployed or anything. Yours were tremendous, is what you're saying. <laughs> Believe me. Yeah. I can tell you. Yours uh, were the let, worst. Believe me when I say <laughs> that the world has never seen bone spurs worse than mine. Mm. Fire and fury wouldn't have taken them away. Yeah. yeah. Good times. <laughs> so last last uh, episode, 366, we had a fo- uh, phone call. We had a voicemail. Got to act like I've fucking done this before. From and Andy. Andy. I believe he was from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And Andy expressed some concern about his job that... In this climate today, he has a fear, um, however however large, that, that uh, he may face some false accusation of sexual misconduct or impropriety right. at some point while on the job. Um, and we we talked about it as we do, and apparently, the answers we gave Brittany Page did not please everyone in our audience. And it also brought up it brought up some uh, some other feelings. I like when this happens. I don't mind being disagreed with. In fact, I I think it's sometimes a highlight of the show. Let's start with the the semi regular caller now, Sean from Virginia. Hi Jesse, hi Brittany. This is Sean from Virginia. Uh, hope y'all have some happy holidays. But I really want to touch on a combination of a couple of your previous episodes, primarily the one with the uh, apartment. I've been listening to you guys now for a long little time, a little bit over a year, and I love the way that y'all generally respond to callers, but this particular call, y'all really dropped the ball, because had it been somebody calling, talking about how men are creeps and sexual harassment, I would have had to listen to five minutes of y'all response. This man called and Gave you a whole different scenario. Y'all gave it a whole one minute and 45 seconds. What I mean by that is you told the man that if there's somebody who seems like they might give you a problem, then he needs to take precautions. Jesse, do, is there a specific picture of somebody who might call rape on me today? Like, because I, I haven't used Google. I, I don't know if there's, like, a particular lineup or what they are. they shady looking? No, they look just like every fucking body else. They are normal people walking around. And I'm not saying that they woke up this morning and said they're going to lie, but circumstances of their day might put them in that situation. People lie all the fucking time. And all I'm saying is we're getting to a dangerous fucking point and another one of your answers was well hey man you just need to be above reproach a good guy how many times have y'all sat on this same podcast and said hey i don't care how good of a dude he is that doesn't mean he couldn't do the monstrosity monstrosity shit that he's accused of so when you get into these allegations it don't matter if you're a good person it don't matter about the truth the allegation is everything people why care about the truth when the lies more entertaining and let's just be very real the last time that allegations were running rampant and ruining people's lives i recall one it was a white lady who said a young black man named emmett till whistled at her 
They end up killing his ass with no evidence, no nothing. And that's where we're headed. Not necessarily saying killing people, but that's what I'm saying. Now we find out 60 years later, she was a fucking lie. But we to the point in America where if you say anything about a quote-unquote victim, now you're victim shaming because it takes so much evidence and time to come out. And let's just be clear. If me and you are in a room, as long as I don't leave bruises or whatever, who's to tell me I touched your titty? Who's, it's your word versus mine. What is a detective going to do? Nothing. And I just feel like we're letting allegations control the narrative. And even when people are found to be outright lying, there's nothing, no repercussions to this situation. It's a win-win for women right now. And I'm not mad at that. But at what cost are we giving it to them? I really feel as though we need to put fucking caps on this shit. If you come to find out that you're lying, minimum seven to ten year sentence. I really think that that will cut out a lot of that ten percent because who the fuck really wants to go to jail? And I'm not talking about the ones where they can't find evidence. I'm speaking solely on you know she lied because what the fuck is perjury? What? House arrest? A month in jail, that's not enough. You tried to ruin my whole fucking life. Because at the end of the day, everybody doesn't live in L.A. or New York. Every Most people live in bumfuck nowhere with a bumfuck nowhere-ass job. That's America. That's how Trump got in the fucking office. Because he went out here and campaigned to these fucking nobodies, coal miners, and whatever else. We are America. So with that being said, yes, America cares about sexual harassment. But right now... It's a top popping topic because America loves to watch our stars fall. That's what we do. So America's playing a worldwide version of the new guess who. We interested because we want to know is Bernie Sanders next? Is Hillary Clinton next? Is The Rock next? Kevin Hart? We want to know who's going to fall. But all I'm saying is women, y'all need to really take this time to capitalize because just eight, nine months ago, the most dominating thing in the world was transgenders trying to use the bathroom. The last time y'all heard about that, you haven't because nobody cares anymore because now we're on the sexual harassment. And I really don't want this sexual harassment window to pass and nothing happens because we're so caught up in the hype. I want y'all to win, but I don't want innocent men caught in the crosshair because you have so much power of just simply saying I did something. But. I hope y'all understand. I hope I articulated because this is like the fourth time I recorded this. But love you, Jesse. Love you, Brittany. Happy holidays. Uh, Brittany's the best part. Jesse D, keep doing your shit. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Sean from Virginia. Well, sir, <laughs> um, let, let me start here. First of all, you can't ascribe what importance I, I, I give to one call or another based on how much time I give it. And that we will discuss something for five minutes, but I only gave him a minute and 45 seconds. Well, I didn't go back to fact check. That might be fucking fake news. <laughs> uh, I don't know how much time we gave Andy, but yeah. the, I, we did start it. And a lot of this is going to negate much of your longer than three minute voice message. Uh-oh. Um, I started by saying there are no good answers here. Yeah. There are no easy answers. If mm-hmm. someone's going to falsely accuse you, yeah. they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. I said, but in the absence of, of, of any good answers, what you should do is protect yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Be above reproach. Mm-hmm. Have that that reputation of being someone that no one would believe it. Right. It doesn't mean that's the, that's the answer. It just means yeah. If there are no good answers, let's 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 go to that second tier, that second terrace down. And what are some things that since since there are no good answers, what are some other things that might help you? Because I don't want to leave somebody with zero. Yeah, that's shitty. All right, next call. That's yeah. not. It's not a conversation. Well, and he also mentioned the um, specific description of someone who is likely to accuse. And I, I'm not sure if that's what you said or if it was more about uh, like the situation that someone might be in. Yeah. Well, I look at it like this. First of all, Andy manages an apartment complex or something right. like that. So he knows these individuals' situations far better than the, the the hypothetical that we could create. Like financial situations. Yeah, he knows who, what kind of a tenant they were, yeah. how they kept their place, if they are liars relative to how they operate. And on a, he probably knows these people to some degree personally. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he has no idea who they are and is just taking a shot in the dark that they might accuse him wrongly yeah. yeah it is ah, he has good fucking shake on it because he knows these people mm-hmm. um i don't know I, listen i hear you sean and i believe you when you say you want this to shake out the right way for women but you're not doing yourself any favors i know that there are a lot of people who just listen to that voicemail who are probably Firing up their fucking voice memo right now. Uh-oh. Because you don't sound like an ally. You, It's a lot of, I want it to go down great for women, dot, 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 but, and there's no need for that but at the end. It's, we are in a time where things are turning around for women, where they feel okay that they will be believed. Mm-hmm. And because there is a two or five percent or whatever the minuscule percentage of, uh, which is too high, false false accusations, but it is small. We can't judge every accusation as a falsehood, or um, that that it's a likelihood that it's false, based on the three to five percent that actually are. Well, that's what I think is getting lost in the conversation and also what I tried to speak to when I uh, started my response to Andy on the last episode, which is all of these accusations need to be taken on a case-by-case basis and evaluated for the evidence. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. Um, So even if you hear about an apartment manager who is accused of doing something in your town... You should shake out the evidence like you would with Harvey Weinstein, um, yeah. you know, um, and it's probably more difficult to do because they're not reporting on it. But it doesn't mean that just because someone is accused, you automatically like go hunt them down and take care of biz. Um <laughs> Probably shouldn't be doing that anyway. But I do want to speak to one more thing, which is he commented on the the amount of time we spent on Andy's call versus um, other calls from women who would call in and describe their experiences. And if that is the case, that might be because we were responding to 
a hypothetical situation and with Andy, you mean? Yeah, like and he's, a, he's afraid. Yeah, like something that could happen that he's afraid of. Yeah, versus like actual traumas that people have described to us. Yeah, in their voice memos, which that's a great point. Which would. I mean, probably require more time to address because we're talking about actual like sexual traumas that people have called in and revealed. So. Not, not a fear that you might at some point by someone unnamed maybe right. get uh, falsely accused. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> so take that, Sean. <laughs> well, that's not how I meant it. but um, I was teasing. He knows I'm teasing. Okay, good. That was just a message just to Sean. Yes. <laughs> Merry Christmas, sir. No, listen, I, I I don't mind the audience pushing back. If we're fucking wrong, we're wrong. In this case, we're not wrong. Well, I have one more thing. In this case, Sean is woefully wrong. Okay. It's insane how wrong Sean <laughs> is right now. <laughs> um, He also said the thing about um, how many times on this show have you said... Have oh, we gone more than an, a minute 45 to answer it? Because I didn't want to do that, so... <laughs> Um, how long or how many times have you guys said that this person seems like such a good guy, blah, blah, blah. Also keep in mind, we're talking about people that we don't really know. And that's yeah. the issue with celebrities is that's their image that they're putting out there. You don't personally know them. So how, do, how do you know? I mean, yeah, these people seem like cool guys when you see them in interviews, but that's their job here. Here, here's a, here's a, a case where I think it, it, it's interesting. T.J. Miller just got accused of like violent rape, mm -hmm. and he's a guy I don't like. He's a guy that when I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds about right. That guy seems like a fucking douche. And then when I heard, I've heard both sides, uh, I don't know. Hmm. I think he might be shooting a straight when he says it didn't happen, hmm. and she's just gunning for him. Um, I don't know, but I've just heard both sides, and... What he says to me sounds believable. Yeah. And he's a guy I don't fucking like, but I'm trying to use my goddamn brain here, mm -hmm. you know, to, to make a judgment. I'm going to be honest with you. I did not read that. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I, uh, there's I, so many stories coming out about so many people that yeah. it's really hard to keep up with everybody. So I, I didn't read about that one. Yeah. All right. Well, Sean, hey, uh, better luck next time, buddy. <laughs> Uh, next voicemail. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. It's your Uncle Hossie in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm just calling to talk a little bit about the guy who, uh, who was talking about uh, false accusations of sexual assault. And I'm not going to speak to any, anything other than this. I believe what he was talking about was socially, if you are accused, in the eyes of the general public, you are guilty, and you will be treated as such. Nothing to do with uh, with uh, his employment. Nothing to do with the with the law. Just socially, there is no escape from an accusation anymore because social media keeps bringing things up over and over again. So someone could get accused of sexual assault, their entire community shuns them. And then it comes out, you know, three weeks, a month later that they're innocent and the person was talking bullshit. That's not going to matter because in that month's time, the entire community has completely shunned this individual. And that does happen. That's all. That's all I'm going to talk about. Nothing else involving the, 
the politics of the situation. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Love the show. That was kind of an aggressive one. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I This is a good point. And I also think it goes back to what I've been trying to emphasize, which is, well, number one. You're a wonderful emphasizer, uh, Brittany. So good, apparently. Um, the, the social media... Um, what is it like public shaming kind of everyone piling on the piling on outrage Olympics. Yeah, that it's not a good thing. No. Uh, so, yeah, this is a situation where if someone in a small town, I guess, is accused of something and then it's posted to social media and then yeah. it's passed around and it's false and everyone runs with it. That's very problematic. But I think that that's why, again, people need to take a beat and like look into these things before attacking some guy that you don't know yeah you know, i think on social media we as a people as a civilization as a society need to develop some sort of unspoken societal due process like we have in the law you know because right now we we don't have that i i don't think that's a that's a, an inappropriate thing to to bring up and talk about that we are, you know, uh, innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. That that standard doesn't hold to the to the court of public opinion. But we need to be fair to our fellow men and women, um, to a degree. I mean, we we need to do a better job than we're doing now. I'm not, and obviously, I think the audience knows me well enough to know that I'm not saying no. We need to hold every person equal, and if you're believing the woman, you need to equally believe the man. Eh, I don't know that. It's a case-by-case basis. Like I've said, you need to use your goddamn human adult brain to work through it on your own, but I think it also steers us toward looking at cases like like a Louis C.K. Is he irredeemable, never to be allowed back into the fold? Um, I hope not. I don't feel that way. I think what he did was terrible, and he needs a fucking timeout or whatever we're going to call it. But a guy like Harvey Weinstein, that, that fucker's done. I believe he needs to be behind bars. Uh, what he did is irredeemable. He, he shouldn't be allowed back in. Um, and that's a conversation I think we need to start having more readily rather than being so um, swept away by the the power and the intoxication um, of of outrage. Wait a minute. You want everyone to be rational and evaluate <laughs> evidence know, for know, things? Uh oh. All right. Uh, last voicemail. Hi, this is Camille from California. Um, I was calling because I just heard Andy's message about how um, he's kind of in fear of false accusations. Um, my husband, when we were living. In Arizona, um, he was actually falsely accused, and so it was I by proxy. Um, he was in our car. Um, it was a hot day. He adjusted his pants, um, and a woman accused him of masturbating in the car. Um, we went into the store, and um, we were accused of felony stalking for going in the store after her. Um, the charges were for felony stalking were dropped, um, and he ended up getting a a charge for public indecency, it was a misdemeanor and he had to go to classes. Um, and even though it was a false accusation, it did impact our life. 
uh, that night. Our landlord came and we got a 48-hour eviction notice because we lived near a school. But they were pretty quick to listen to our story and hear our side. The police listened to our side. Um, basically, since the lady was a victim, um, he still had to go to classes and stuff like that. But it wasn't like it was just she accused and that was the end of the story. There really was an investigation. Um, you know, there were processes. He did end up spending about 12 hours in jail um, for it because he was arrested. Um, but it wasn't just this cut and dry, okay, you're guilty. We automatically believe the victim. It wasn't like that at all. So I would say if this is something that you're kind of worried over to the point where you are spending a lot of your day thinking about it, just try to, you know, do whatever you can to make it to where if you are accused, you have an alibi or solid evidence. I'm not sure what you can do in that situation. And then just remember that um, it you do get a process. It's not just a, okay, you're automatically guilty of this. Um, and on the other side, when I was a child, um, I was sexually abused. My abuser was never um, convicted or anything like that. So the system, it is broken. Sometimes innocent people fall through the cracks. Um, and they get in trouble and then sometimes guilty people don't and it's just kind of the way it goes so it's one of those things where no one has an answer but in my experience false accusations do happen and it, it definitely does impact your life we're still dealing with it um, because he does now have a record for it but at the same time it's something that people are willing to listen to our side of the story on especially since they know us they know that we volunteer they know that we're good people so there, there's context to everything, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Um, the other thing that I'm kind of struck by is how many men are concerned with false accusations, um, even though it's such a small minority of it. And I hear a lot of men saying, well, I'm afraid to be around women alone. I'm afraid to do this. I'm afraid to do that. And that's kind of the world that women have lived in for a long time. And I'm not. Google voicemail did not appreciate the longer than three minutes. However, Camille wrote in to finish her thought. What I was saying is that it's a weird juxtaposition to see men now so afraid to be alone with women after women having spent so long being fearful of being alone with men. It is striking to me that men are so afraid of the 2 to 10% of women that falsely accuse when there is an enormous number of women truly being assaulted. Who knows how to solve that? to find a way for women and men to safely coexist without fear of false accusation or assault. I am also not saying it's a small number. Men have no right to be afraid because one man in jail over a false accusation is one too many. I am just not sure what the solution is here. I personally know the impact of a false accusation and what it can do to someone's life, as well as the impact sexual assault and rape has on survivors. I hope we can find a way to go forward that keeps an open and trusting environment for victims of assault while investigating each accusation so that innocent people's lives are not destroyed. I don't think there is an easy answer on this issue. Thanks for listening. Um, wow. I mean, the, it is fact that there is no easy answer. I think that's a very interesting point, though. And I don't want this to turn into some kind of a competition of who has it worse. But there is something to be said about men are now, I'm afraid to be in a room with women. Well, how about women who are perpetually have to be on alert about who may or may not be a threat? Because the world over, 
Men are fucking dangerous cunts who, who victimize women. 99% of rapists, 99.9 are men. Yeah, and listen, all you men's right activists out there, your MRAs, women, they can sexually assault too. Yeah, they sure can. But it is minuscule numbers, women who commit sexual crimes compared to men who own, who own that. My sex owns sex crime against women, against children, against other men. We own that. And it's time for men to fight, good men, to stand up and own that. And know that someone who doesn't know you doesn't know you're one of the good guys. They still have to be on guard. Women still have to protect themselves. And I'll shut up and let a woman address it. I mean, what, what, what do you think about that point? <laughs> um, well, I when I first heard Andy's call, I was very struck by the fear in his voice. And it sounded like a, a newfound fear that yeah. a lot of men are experiencing. And what Camille is describing is just something that women have to deal with and think about from the start of their existence. I mean you're taught that you need to protect yourself walking to your car at night in the daytime <laughs> yeah uh to be on high alert to put the keys between your fingers um i mean that's just the way it is so it, it's not something that we're like all of a sudden you know thinking oh we can't do this no it's just like the way it is yeah you know uh so i think that is something to consider where Women have always been in this position of, oh, is my dick, is my boss going to take his dick out? Yeah. Is my, is my dick going to take his uh, boss out? <laughs> is my boss going to come on to me? Yeah. Oh, shit. My boss is coming on to me. How can I handle this and keep my job? Yeah. Uh, you know, trying to read the messages and deal with it in a way that still keeps you safe, keeps you in your job with some financial stability. This is like the juggling that has been going on for women for a long time. Yeah. So um, I think recognition of that is important. Well, we also, I think we need to say that it, this is, again, not a competition. We're not keeping score and tallying the marks on one side or the other. Uh, these two things can exist in the same space at the same time. Men can have that worry that, oh, you know, I, I don't want to be accused falsely while also respecting the fact that women for since the beginning of women have had to struggle and worry about being mistreated in a workplace or otherwise. Mm -hmm. They're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. So we would love to know what you guys think about this. Um, I'm I'm. <laughs> I am certain this will not be the end of it, and and nor should it be. I, I I'm I'm looking forward to the responses. Uh, if you too would like to sound off, get your opinion on the record six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. and we would love love to hear from you. Support for I doubt it with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and. Good-looking listeners like you, by way of Patreon. 
Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Humberto, Humberto is the latest Patreon supporter. Thank you, sir. And Dave the Puppet. Dave, you're the puppet. Edited his pledge. So there we go. Maybe maybe Dave is on the live stream. Possibly, we right don't know. Now. That is the, the latest perk that we have we have scratched our brains and come up with is to live stream once a week. Sundays at 6 p.m. Los Angeles time. Yep. Which we are doing right now. Mm -hmm. So if you would like to get in on that, be in the chat room with the other patrons. Um, it's $10 or more per month. And we are we're having a good time with it. It's it's seeming to be a hit. Uh, and we'll be adding more stuff later. If you have ideas, you know, that's another thing. We'd love to hear some ideas for perks for the audience. Um, Patreon just released a tool, I guess, an app, part of the Patreon app on the iPhone or maybe other, I'm just an iPhone user, so I don't know, but they released a thing called Lens where it's like a Instagram or Snapchat kind of thing where we can take little videos, maybe give you previews of what's going to happen before the show or, so we're going to explore using that. That's going to be something that just goes out to everybody. There's no, no level for that. So mm -hmm. Um, we're always trying to think of, of ways to benefit our patrons because you guys are special to us and we uh, we deeply we deeply appreciate and 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 love uh, the loyalty. It is it's a wonderful thing. So thank you guys so so much. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Well, it wouldn't be a regular week if Donald Trump was not lashing out on Twitter of members of his own administration. In this case, he has targeted the FBI as being part of the deep state or whatever the fuck comes into his goddamn oatmeal brain. But he is it is an all out assault right now. It's another round of a fight we've seen before. The president versus the FBI. President Trump uh, going on a Twitter attack on the agency's deputy director. Trump re-upped accusations that Andrew McCabe is biased because of political donations his wife received in the past. McCabe, one of the agency's most senior officials, oversaw the investigation into the Hillary Clinton emails. Victor and Renee, good morning. Trump's tweets taking aim at several FBI officials, including deputy director Andrew McCabe came with word that McCabe told senior FBI officials months ago that he was planning on retiring. Two sources familiar with his plans told CNN. Now, a couple of months ago, he told senior agents he was eligible to re retire in March and that he had planned to do so. But there is a chance that under FBI rules that he, that he has accumulated enough time where he will be able to retire sooner. The criticism here of McCabe, you know, for the past several months has been growing as a number of Republicans are questioning the credibility of special counsel Robert Mueller's investigations. And several Republicans, including the Senate Judiciary Chairman Chuck Grassley, have called for McCabe's removal. But Democrats argue that the Republican criticism of McCabe and the FBI in general are an effort to undermine Mueller 
as his investigation ramps up and to give Trump cover should he try to remove Mueller, a step, as you know, the White House insists is not on the table. Now, as to McCabe, he's a critical person. He runs the day-to-day operations of the FBI, and he was also a key person overseeing the Hillary Clinton investigation, her use of a private email server. And just this past week, he spent over 16 hours on the Hill before Congress testifying before three congressional committees about the Clinton and Russia investigations. And we've done some reporting on that. And we've learned that he backed up some of what the former FBI director uh, said about his conversations with the president. He was also questioned extensively about his role in the Hillary Clinton investigation. So again, this is more of Donald Trump trying to discredit with the help of Fox News and those ding-dongs over there, trying to discredit anyone who comes out with information that is unflattering of the president, that is not only praise and worship and adoration. And that is exactly what's happening here with Andrew McCabe, who by all accounts is a noble man with high levels of integrity who is doing a good job as the deputy director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So one of my favorite tweets, oh, it just was yesterday. It feels like it was a year ago. Um, (laughs) He said, wow, FBI lawyer James Baker reassigned, according to Fox News. Is that where he like heard that? He heard it on Fox News. It's his own administration, his own Justice Department. Shouldn't he be like (laughs) getting the information before Fox and Friends announces it? It, it, It... It really makes you question how detached he is from the day-to-day of running the motherfucking executive branch of our government. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, I love... uh, He's also retweeting tweets from Eric Trump, um, you know, his son, uh, where Eric tweeted, hashtag journalism is dead with what yeah and he and donald trump retweeted it because journalism is dead from this new york post article saying a deafening media silence on the obama hezbollah scandal wow journalism is dead well except for fox and friends (laughs) oh yeah Yeah, which is number one and people should really follow their model steve ducey has a fucking kung fu grip on the facts Brittany page and ainsley ainsley Earhart. What about the majority? I'm so tired of protecting the minority. She's sick of it. What a lovely, lovely lady. Well, listen, here, let me put this in perspective. He touched on it in the last, like, seven seconds of that clip. But here is the reason. Full stop. This is the reason that Donald Trump is attacking the deputy director of the FBI, Andrew McCabe. The breaking news this hour, and it's significant. Multiple sources now telling CNN uh, that the deputy FBI director, Andrew McCabe, is backing up James Comey's claims that the president demanded his loyalty. Let's dig deeper with our correspondents and our analysts. And Jeffrey Tubin, let me start with you. You heard Manu Raju's excellent reporting that Andrew McCabe, the deputy FBI director, uh, may be able to actually corroborate what the fired FBI director, James Comey, said about his private conversations with the president. He says he was briefed by Comey contemporaneously. Uh, It's pretty significant, this development, if he backs up Comey, which the president is disputing. 
Absolutely. It's very significant because the whole issue of the president's relationship with James Comey, his uh, stated, uh, his, his desire um, to protect Michael Flynn, his, uh, his concern about the investigation, and ultimately, of course, uh, the president's firing of James Comey, this is the heart of a potential obstruction of justice case. It relies very much at the moment on James Comey's testimony. So to the extent McCabe corroborates Comey, it's an important development. And who is a grand jury going to believe? Donald Trump, who has a, a set, reliable track record for logging, for mistruth, whether it be on Twitter or in court depositions in years past. He is a liar. Are they gonna believe him? Or are they going to believe James Comey and Andrew McCabe, who have contemporaneous notes from that moment corroborating the conversation of Donald Trump setting himself up to obstruct justice? Come the fuck on. I think we know the answer to the question. <laughs> Donald Trump isn't going to be believed. Well, and that's why he's desperately trying to discredit McCabe. And yes. now he has a new nickname for James Comey as well. Oh, uh, what? what is it? I am trying to find... Oh, Leakin James Comey. Lincoln? Leakin. Oh, Leakin. Leakin James Comey. Like he's It's leaking. like taken care of biz. Does it have the little, the little apostrophe at the end? It really does. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah so um he president of the united fucking states yeah but everybody so listen these tweets though God damn. He, he's trying to discredit these people because he knows that people feel the way you do that these people are more reputable yeah, than he is sure. and that they trust them more than they trust him so he's trying to send this information out indoctrinate the base mm -hmm. and these tweets have over a hundred thousand likes listen Blood and soil isn't going to fucking save you, Donald Trump. Your measly 32% approval rating of the unwashed, politically uneducated, those idiots aren't going to be there to save you when the rug gets pulled out, when Robert Mueller is going to end up doing his goddamn job. And if you fire him, you're going to go down just... Why am I talking like I'm talking to Donald Trump right now? <laughs> Do you hear me, Donald? <laughs> He's secretly watching the live stream. He's Dave the Puppet. <laughs> if he's Dave the Puppet, he better be kicking in more than $10. <laughs> I, I want to talk about one more tweet before we move on. Okay. He retweeted uh, a meme of himself that someone tweeted to him, and it's of Donald Trump in a limo on, on a phone with a little cord, and across the top of it, it says winning. He, he retweeted this picture of himself with winning across the top. Is the next one going to be like tiger blood? Like he's fucking Charlie Sheen? It's just unbelievable when you go look at the president of the United States Twitter timeline. Yeah. And it's filled with attacks on the FBI uh, and like self praise. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Listen, a, a less optimistic man than myself might get down about this kind of shit. Mm -hmm. Not yes. me, though. Yes. I am a super optimist, Brittany Page. Mm -hmm. 
wildly optimistic, unreasonably optimistic about things, apparently. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, apparently, Donald Trump, here's another chink in the armor, in the credibility armor. Uh, it's being reported that Donald Trump made some very derogatory mar- remarks about Nigerians and Haitians in the course of uh, developing immigration policy. The explosive new report. As the president spends Christmas at his Florida resort this weekend, the New York Times is out with a story quoting the president, allegedly using derogatory remarks about immigrants. Tonight, the White House is responding. Here's ABC's Kenneth Moten. Tonight, the startling claims about derogatory comments President Trump allegedly made about immigrants in the Oval Office. The most sacred duty of government is to protect the lives of its citizens, and that includes securing our borders and enforcing our immigration laws. The New York Times reports the meeting happened in June. The tough-on-immigration president reportedly stormed into the Oval, enraged when he learned how many foreigners have been given visas to enter the U.S. since he took office. One source in the room and another who was briefed later say Trump complained the 15,000 from Haiti all have AIDS, according to the Times report. During the campaign, Trump pledged to support Haitian Americans. I really want to be your greatest champion, and I will be your champion, whether you vote for me or not. In the tense meeting, Trump reportedly said that once the 40,000 from Nigeria had seen the United States, they would never go back to their huts in Africa. Trump has made remarks widely perceived as insensitive toward immigrants in the past. We are going to get the bad ones out. We are throwing them out of the country or we're putting them the hell fast in jail. The Times reports that tempers flared in the meeting. In the room, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, then Homeland Security Chief John Kelly, and advisor Stephen Miller. Several people in the meeting told the Times they did not recall the president using those words and did not think he had. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders strongly denies Trump made the remarks, telling ABC News in a statement as both sad and telling the New York Times would print the lies of their anonymous sources. Tonight, Trump's silent on the Times report, but launching a Twitter attack on FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe on new reports that he's retiring in March. The president tweeting that McCabe is racing the clock to retire with full benefits. FBI insiders thought McCabe would leave soon after the firing of FBI Director James Comey. McCabe has been the target of attacks by the president and GOP lawmakers alleging bias at the Department of Justice. And tonight, Kenneth is with the president in West Palm Beach, Florida. And Kenneth, turning back to that report about Trump's alleged remarks about immigrants, the White House not only blasting the Times, but also saying several high-level officials in the room denied ever happened? That's right, Tom. Sarah Sanders says a number of top officials were in that room, including General John Kelly, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, and National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster. She says they and all other senior staff, quote, deny these outrageous claims. Tom. And tonight, the Times standing by their story. All right, Kenneth, thank you. They don't have any credibility on this issue because they deny <laughs> yeah. that Donald Trump called Mexicans rapists and criminals. Yeah, they're just and it's bald face liars. It is on video. Yeah. You, you can go watch it. He says that they are rapists and criminals, and some, he imagines, are good people. That is the quote. It's a fact. And they try to deny that that's what he said. So... Of course, they're going to deny this. They're saying that he never used the word AIDS or huts. What? Like it's out of the realm of possibility to imagine that Donald Trump speaks that way. Oh, he's so above speaking that way. Please. Within an hour of him taking the oath of office, 
they were lying about the size of the crowds. They were telling us to suspend what we saw. What you think you saw was wrong. Yeah. We have the, the stranglehold on the facts and the real deal. Yeah, but even in this New York Times article, the White House officials are saying that he never used the word, the words AIDS or huts. I don't, he, don't believe He him. talks about yeah. pussies. Right. He says AIDS and huts. That's not. <laughs> he for sure talks about AIDS and huts. Okay, it's like it's like an SNL skit. Yeah. What they're describing here of let me find the exact quote of what he said. So he found out that Haiti sent fifteen thousand people, and he said, "Ugh." He grumbled, "Ugh." They all have AIDS. You're telling me that that doesn't sound like something Donald Trump would do. Well, even if some of them do have AIDS, listen, Dick, you don't have to put them up in the Lincoln bedroom. They're not sharing a bed with you and Melania, you fucking mook. Also, the fact that Stephen Miller was there. Yeah. Little weaselly fucking racist. Problematic views. Yeah. Racist views. Right. Uh, I'm sure that he had no issue with this kind of talk. Maybe laughed at it. I don't know. Maybe planted the seed. Um, yeah. In the empty head of Donald Trump. Yeah. Well, listen... One more chink in the armor of Donald Trump leading a grand jury to likely say, decide with Andrew McCabe and James Comey and Bob Mueller relative to a, an obstruction of justice uh, charge, an eventual possible one. Uh, PolitiFact has now named the 2017 lie of the year. It's fake news, a hoax, just a lie perpetuated by losers. That's what President Trump said all year long when it came to questions about Russian interference in the U.S. election and whether any members of his campaign had a hand in it. But guess what? PolitiFact says that's the lie of the year. Yes, the claim that Trump has made over and over again, that Russian interference is a made-up story. PolitiFact says that was the biggest whopper of them all. Joining me now from Washington to discuss this is the editor of PolitiFact, Angie Holman. Uh, Angie, great to see you. Thanks for having me. You had so many options to choose from this year. So, so why this one on the top of your list of shame? Well, it was repeated over and over again by President Donald Trump. Uh, he would say it as a defense uh, of charges against collusion, which I should emphasize, we're not saying there was collusion. That's unproven. What we're saying is this Russian interference definitely happened. And President Trump has said several times that it hasn't. Well... It has. And it really goes to the heart of American democracy and our elections and how we decide who to pick to be our leaders in Congress and in the White House. And his repetition, you're repeating it over and over again, calling it a hoax, does have an impact. Uh, I want to talk to you about uh, that in a minute. But first, the, the runners up, right? There were a couple of runners up we can put on screen. In second place here, Republican Congressman Raul Labrador saying, quote, nobody dies because they don't have access to health care. Tell me about this one. Uh, this is one that we were just like very dubious about. I mean, there have been studies about um, whether people have great health care outcomes on different types of insurance, especially Medicaid. But the idea that nobody dies because they don't have access to health care, that's just wrong. And we talked to numerous health care researchers who were just like, yeah, no. Angie, you went on a trip uh, several different states this year talking with voters about how they perceive fact checks. Where were you, Tulsa, Mobile? What did you learn on these trips? 
Well, we wanted to talk to voters who voted for Donald Trump and um, might be open to learning more about fact checking, because we've seen survey data that says Trump voters are very suspicious of the media generally, and they're also suspicious of fact checking. So we thought if we met them and listened to their concerns, we might learn better ways to do our job. They could hear about how we do our jobs and maybe be more open minded to our reports. And the interactions were very positive. It's like when we get out from behind our computers and sit down face to face with people and have a conversation, it works really well. We just have to figure out how to scale that up. So many people were receptive. At the same time, I don't mean to be a pessimist here on Christmas Eve, but I I sometimes wonder if there is a a portion of the country that is unreachable uh, by fact checkers. So there's a portion of the country that does not want to hear uh, any of the real news that's negative about the Trump administration. Has that been your experience as well? Has that been your finding? I think there is a portion of partisans who do not want to listen to independent journalism. They see their political identification as part of who they are. And so, no, they're not open. And I don't think fact checkers are going to reach those people. Uh, And I'm hesitant. Again, uber crazy positive guy, optimistic guy. I think that there is a chance to reach a percentage of that remaining strident 30% of his base, 30% that is that makes up his base. Um, but I don't think we should, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible, ah, I'm going here, where Jesus tells disciples to, to go two by two into the cities and then, you know, you try to convert people, whatever, and uh, if it's not going, I'm paraphrasing here, this is not exactly what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, bros, here's what you do. <laughs> you go two by two in the cities, and then you know if it's not working out, you you, you 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 brush the dust off your feet. You kick the dust off your sandals, and you move on to the next place. Yeah. And I think we need to incorporate some kind of a model like that, where you, you try and you try, and if it's not working out, we need to kick the dust off our sandals, move the fuck on, and and try to focus on the people we can convince of the truth. So, I don't know. But I think they picked the great lie of the year, for sure. Yeah. The fact that Donald Trump is denying what a multiplicity of intelligence agencies have come to the conclusion about, which is that, Donald, that, 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 that Vladimir Putin absolutely did uh, interfere with the election. Right. Well, you made an interesting observation today what? about uh, Joe Walsh, that wackadoo on Twitter, and he is a wackadoo. That he, is that is factual. He is for sure a wackadoo, but he started to tweet like rational things about Donald Trump, uh, telling him have you no decency, yeah, all this stuff. Yeah. Because he's attacking the FBI yeah. and defending Russia. He also uh, Joe Walsh uh is a stalwart defender of Robert Mueller all the time now. Yeah. And Joe Walsh, I mean, he <laughs> look He's up- the one, he's the one that said we need to pick up our rifles and take to the streets if if Hillary Clinton wins the election. Yes. He I mean, goddamn. He is not a <laughs> rational guy, but he has started to change his tone on Donald Trump. Yeah. And this was someone who seemed unreachable before. Yeah. But he's singing a different tune. So you made this observation that is he does he see what's happening here and he doesn't want to be on the wrong side. 
when everything finally falls into place. Yeah, it's like musical chairs. Mm -hmm. When the music stops, he doesn't want to be left without a fucking chair because he's on the president's team. Yeah. He sees the writing on the wall. So he's jumping ship now. He And he's getting out early. Yeah. Yeah. So that he can still be a very irrational person who just got off the... Well, this is a question. This is a question I've been asking this entire time. What are these assholes going to be saying? Like Jason Miller, the the no neck. He has just as little chin as he has neck. (laughs) It just it just goes straight from fucking shoulders to goddamn mouth Uh on that guy. All right. So he's a CNN commentator. (laughs) He used to be a spokesman for the campaign. Yeah. Jason Miller. And he's on CNN. And there's a specific reason he has a goatee. It's to cover up something that he doesn't have on his face. He's a political commentator. Which is a chin. He's often on Anderson Cooper's show. (laughs) Anyway. When you see the panels, he's often on the panel. Yeah, that's right. So early on, I was like, what's this guy going to do when Donald Trump gets indicted or has to resign? As a result of his collusion with Russia, is he going to be embarrassed? Is Kellyanne Conway going to be embarrassed? Is Sean Spicer going to be shamed? Is Sarah Huckabee Sanders going to be bothered by the fact that she was um, giving aid and comfort to a traitor to our country? I still don't have answers. I don't know. But it seems to me these people who claim to love America... And I think in their own weird, twisted way they do, where are they going to be when history judges them as complicit in all of this? I don't know. Maybe Joel Walsh isn't quite as bad as we thought. I don't believe that either, but, you know, what are you going to do? Just trying to save his image. Miss America officials. (laughs) I think we could just say Miss America, the pageant in general. We'll get to that. We we will get to that. So you have a package describing what happened or what is it that you have? That is exactly right. There we go. The shakeup at the Miss America organization. Uh, The group's officers turning in resignations after reports that crude emails were sent about past winners. And ABC's Marcy Gonzalez is on the story from our Los Angeles bureau. Marcy, good morning to you. Good morning, Dan and Mary. Major changes at the pageant after outrage and demands from former winners who now say this is just the beginning. Miss America, the state. This morning calls for more changes at the Miss America organization as the man at the center of the pageant scandal steps down. Hi, I'm Sam Haskell. CEO Sam Haskell resigning after leaked emails from 2014 exposed alleged sexist, crude, and demeaning comments about contestants and winners, including Miss America 1998 Kate Schindel and Miss America 2013 Mallory Hagan. Miss New York belittled in those emails about her love life and weight. It's been a pretty awesome day. 
Hagan celebrating Haskell's resignation on Twitter after what the now former CEO said were emails that were conveniently edited. The pageant chairman and another board member stepped down this weekend, too, along with President Josh Randall, who in a statement wrote, Over two months before my employment began, I inappropriately responded to an email sent to my personal email account about a former Miss America. I apologize to Mallory for my lapse in judgment. The fallout coming after a petition signed by more than 50 former Miss Americas demanded resignations from the organization's leaders. Right now, there's an opportunity for a graceful transition. Schindel and others now calling for a thorough house cleaning at the organization. It's time for something new, you know. Let's just take a mulligan and um, and let a new group of people step in and, and lead us into the future. And Haskell, in a statement, said his character was being attacked daily, which impaired his judgment when responding to inappropriate <laughs> emails that were sent to him. His resignation is effective immediately, while Randall and the board's chairman are staying on temporarily to help with the transition. Mary, Dan? <laughs> this guy's amazing. Pretty uh, unbelievable. That's great. So uh, I something that I tell everyone. Um, everyone. Yes. Is to like watch what you put in writing. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, this is something you tell. And everybody. every time I hear one of these stories, I cringe because these men were emailing horrific things. Well, you share with the audience some of these back horrific things. and forth to each other. Well, he's saying it was a lapse in judgment. Okay. At one point, he attached photos of uh, wow. Mallory Hagan in her bikini because she was criticized after she won the pageant. Uh, she was photographed walking on the beach and people compared that photo to her bikini photo at the Miss America pageant and they were ridiculing her for her weight. And he attached these photos and other former pageant winners and they were writing, oh, my God, she is huge and gross. Why does he want that? And then one, one of the guys wrote back, she's a healthy one. Ha, 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 ha. Barely recognizable. So motherfuckers, you're actually taking the time to like attach photos. And then like, that's not a lapse in judgment. That's no, you're, you're a fucking dick. And and he what was his excuse that he was like worried about his job or something? He makes so much money. This guy. This CEO. Did he also call them cunts in emails? Uh, yeah. Fat. And I don't know if he used the word whore, but was definitely uh, talking about how many men that some woman had slept with or something. Yeah. And then I think one of the former pageant winners passed away and they started oh, saying God. it should have been a different pageant winner that they hated. God damn. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just, like, constant. But, again, what do people expect? I was just going to say, is anybody fucking surprised? From an organization that is all about objectifying women, right? And they try to talk about those scholarships. They say, like, $45 million in scholarships or something. I think I think John Oliver debunked all this bullshit. Yeah, he said he could only find, like, $4 million in scholarships. Right. I believe. So, $4 million versus $45 million. Ooh, quite the disparity. Uh, but the point is, you, these women are still like walking around with their bikinis on. Yeah, and, their ball gowns. Yeah, and they then, might be able to twirl a baton or something, but it is how they look. That's what this whole thing's about. Right, and they, they did. The questions weren't always a part of it. Now they do ask them the question. Right, right. You know, how, how can we defeat ISIS? Uh, you have 20 <laughs> seconds, go. <laughs> 
<laughs> you um, have 20 seconds and go. Yeah. It, I mean, those are the questions they yeah, ask. For it's like sure, complicated for sure. shit. So, um, but that's what this is all about. And so people are surprised that the men that are running this thing are talking like this behind right. the scenes. Yeah. That doesn't seem surprising to me. Their job is to successfully objectify women. Why would they not, in the course of their job, continue to objectify women in a crass manner? Yeah, so he originally had apologized. These main, these top figures had apologized. And now they're, they resigned. Yeah. Because obviously that was They wasn't. weren't going to initially. Do we right. already say that? Yeah, he yeah. said he was apologized. That's enough. And... <laughs> no one was happy with that. So, yeah, right. um, given the nature of the emails, we need to do away with not just their jobs and their positions. We need to do away with these fucking beauty contests. They're weird. They're weird for little girls. They're weird for adults. They're fucking weird. It's 2017, people. N nay, nay, Brittany Page. It is 2018. In six goddamn days, why do we still have beauty pageants? Are you looking for an answer from me? Yeah, that wasn't rhetorical. I, I demand an answer. Why do we still have this bullshit? Well, this is part of why the CEO was um, in such a powerful position that he thought he could just apologize and everyone would move on and he wouldn't have to resign because the, the pageant was apparently falling apart before he came on board. Hmm. And then he was able to get it back on whatever network it's on. And then the bachelor guy um, hosts the show, the, the roses guy. Hmm. Oh, I don't know who that is. Yeah. And the, the actual host of the bachelor. Yeah. So now oh, okay. it has more notoriety, I guess, because he's been able to attach that guy's name to the show. Right. And put it on a big Which network. Is another. Why do we still have that fucking show? What is happening? Why do why do women <laughs> who have brains that work watch that fucking show like it's. It, it, that also it, it's 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 demeaning of women. What is happening? All right, we're going to end. We're ending the fucking show. I don't know how Optimus to help you. Jesse is going to go fucking drown himself in the bathtub. I know what happened to all oh, this damn. optimism. I don't know. Yeah. What a hell of a way to... Are we going to have another show for the end of the year? Everything just fell apart for you right now. Yeah, we are going to have another show because we're all doing right. a normal week this oh, week. Oh, a normal week, right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, listen, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Um, although... Christmas. There's got to be some procrastinators out there. If you want to support the show, uh, you can do Patreon. If Patreon's not your flavor, you can go buy some wonderfully quality goods on the old Amazon.com. And the way you get there is go to dollamore.com slash Amazon. That'll redirect you through with our super special code. And we get a little commission. You don't pay any more. And as we always say, if you're going to spend your money there anyway, why not support your favorite show filled with news news, and ridiculous comment? We would love to have you there. If that also is not your flavor, why don't you go stop by? If you are a family who has multiple iTunes accounts, this is not a sub subtext. I'm not saying anything specific about anybody who may be watching right now. This feels really targeted. But if you are a family who has multiple iTunes accounts, why don't you go and rate and review 
this podcast, that helps us get in front of new listeners who might help support the show, helping us produce this content, helping us uh, move the conversation forward, as it were. We love you. We appreciate you. Again, the phone number, if you'd like to sound off, if you have a question, if you have a comment, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email the voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We love you guys. We appreciate you. And we will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore. And this has been I Doubt It. At least Donald Trump feels like he's won a war. He, he won the shit out of it. His feet didn't need to be in tip-top <laughs> shape for the war on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>